You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and I got to be honest, we all need that someone that just knows about fitness stuff like the best shoes to wear when you're lifting or you're running or you're doing high-intensity interval training. Should I use a hex bar or a barbell for my deadlifts? What's the best shirt and shorts for the kind of stuff that I want to do in my workouts? We need that friend. We need that fit friend that knows the answer. And ladies and gentlemen, I got him here with us today. I have my friend who is also that fit friend on YouTube and Instagram. Welcome, Jake Boley. What's up, Jake? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to honored to be on the podcast with you. Yeah, well, thank you. And we've been we've been trying to 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 get together on this thing for a little while. So I'm glad we're finally able to make it happen. Uh, so do do us a favor. We're going to be talking about identifying some of the legit fitness gear reviews that are out there. But um, the reason you uh, are somebody who can talk about this is because you review stuff. So tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, and what you do. For sure. Yeah. So my name is Jake Bully. I am a, I guess you could call me a gear reviewer. Uh, my background is actually in training. So I have my bachelor's in X science, my master's in sports science, was a trainer for quite some time. Um, also was very interested in the editorial world of fitness and training writing and stuff like that on the interwebs and basically worked at Barbend for four years and kind of helped them get up and running. A lot of folks in this podcast probably knows of Barbend. They are a strength sports outlet for covering CrossFit, powerlifting, strongman, weightlifting, basically the works, bodybuilding. And um, yeah, about two years ago, I ended up spinning off to do my own thing, ended up loving the verticals of shoe reviews, apparel and stuff like that, because I find it very difficult, especially in the time we're in right now where online buying is so prevalent to find mm -hmm. legit reviews, actually reviews done by somebody who's using the product, who is a lifter, an athlete, somebody who is very into fitness. And so with my coaching background and my education background, I try to blend that into the reviews and the forms of product category that I'm super interested in. And that's kind of where we are now. We're that fit for in the website and the YouTube channel is where I spend all my time. Those are my two babies and the communities that I play the most in. And yeah, it's been, it's been a pleasure being able to build those verticals over the last year and a half. Man, that's awesome. I appreciate you uh, being on here. I think we, we may have met at, we may have met while you were still at Barbend uh, at an event. And then one day uh, I just look up at the gym and there you are training. Uh, it was you and Nikki and y'all were hanging out with Meg Hayden doing a workout. And I was like, oh, what? Um, and I didn't know that you had escaped the city. So I know that, that you, you took a path like a lot of people did during that time and ended up getting out of the city. Uh, that ended up what I assume being a pretty positive thing for you because you took that and then started getting into doing some of the reviews that you're doing now. How did you get into like, where did footwear come into this? Because like a lot of people just pick their shoes, uh, oftentimes just based because they look cool or they're branded for the type of workout you're doing. This is a running shoe. This is a tennis shoe. How did you get into this and and what type of things do you break down with these things? Yeah, for sure. So there's like there's so many different angles to this question. So 
the long answer is that when I was really young, I actually like always wanted to be kind of like, quote unquote, a designer in something. And I, when I was really young, I remember one day in third grade, and this is like one of my favorite stories to tell because it's kind of like this full circle kind of thing. Um, teacher went around. She's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like a designer. And she's like a designer for what? And I was like, clothes. Cause like I was put on the spot. I didn't really know I was in third grade. So I hadn't really thought it through. Yeah. And so later that weekend I was going fishing and camping with my dad and uncle. And they were like, Oh, like we got into the conversation of this past week at school, told them I wanted to be a designer of footwear or like apparel. And they were like a designer. Like, what do you mean? Like, that's like, that's a lady's job, blah, blah, blah. And so you're like classic Midwestern dad response. And so I didn't really have that in my mind growing up through middle school, high school, into college, et cetera. And I was more interested in training and editorial. And so it was really interesting because at Barbend, I started doing shoe reviews for them, just getting into it because I like am very, very attentive to shoes and like footwear. I don't know why I'm just gravitated towards them, but now it's funny because as I've like started to unpack like some of the childhood stuff over the last couple of years and everything and getting into the business side, I'm like, huh, you know, like I kind of get to play in that world of design. I'm not necessarily designing shoes, but I'm getting to test so many different shoes and learn from some of the designers and founders of these companies of how that like physically build shoes. And so I think it kind of scratches that like itch of being really young and wanting to be in that world of designing something and building something. And I think being able to tie that to my performance background, it's like this like perfect summation of things that really interest me where it's like, cool, how does this style of footwear influence my biomechanics in the squat? How does this influence my performance for sprinting? And so it's like, it scratches that nerdy itch that I like with training and science, but then it also gives me that like designer and build things kind of itch. So it's a, it's a, that's my roundabout answer for how I got into it. But basically like I see footwear and even apparel at times, as being like this culmination of all of my interests into one thing. And I think because we all wear shoes and we're all very individual, I think that's where it gets really fun to help others find things that help them work, like basically perform their best. So it's like, are you that person that just buys Nikes because you've always bought Nikes? Or are you that person who's tried like now five different footwears and you're like, that style of footwear works best for me. I know that because I've tested it. It works best for the context of how I like to train, et cetera. All right. So let me, uh, let me ask you a question. So we'll get into some of the legitimacy of that. Right. So some people are just like, that's the brand I like, but it may not be the best for let's say weightlifting. Right. So if I'm, if I'm wanting to weight lift, that's my, that's my goal, weightlifting. What, what are some of the things I'm going to look for in a shoe that is going to assist me with that? And what are some of the things that you might see out there where you're like, mm, it's a good shoe, but it may not be the best for lifting. Yeah. So I think the two main things that I like to consider, especially for like, if we're just going to talk about like the broader spectrum of what to look for is mm. number one, the stability of the shoe itself. So this could be in the sense of the midsole and the material used. This could be in the sense of the traction you get from the rubber outsole. Are you actually getting grip when you are training? So it's like, if you're squatting, for example, 405 pounds, the last thing you want is a shoe that is like compressing and moving all around under your feet or like mm. lacking rubber tread to give you enough grip to where you might slip. Um, so the stability of the shoe is really important. And that generally will come in the form of its midsole and its material. However, there are other areas of the shoe that can influence this, like the security of the upper, the outsole tread patterning, what that material is like. And then also I like to consider and look at the width of the shoe because we all have different foot anatomies. And when we are training, our foot 
moves through so many different ranges of motion and movements while we squat, while we jump, while we do basically everything, walk, etc. Um, it's really important to look at how a shoe's last construction, basically the mold of that shoe, interacts with your foot. Does it allow you to feel comfortable when you're doing different movements? Does it allow you to feel secure and stable when you are training in whatever context you want to use that shoe for? And so that's where I think folks should explore more last constructions of different companies and different shoes because when we look at different shoes, there are so many different lasts that companies will use. And essentially, the last is the mold of the shoe and companies will pick a last that will capture like the biggest demographic of the market that they're going for. However, that doesn't always necessarily mean that that shoe is going to be best for you. And so those are two areas that I think are just incredibly important to look for, for a shoe for training. And now obviously we could dive into like weightlifting shoes, which are very different than cross training shoes, but those two verticals generally um, can kind of encompass like all types of footwear. Gotcha. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jake Boley. He is that fit friend, that one that you're looking for if you have questions about what it is that you should be wearing at the gym, what it is, what are the shoes that you should be wearing, the product reviews, but not just limited to those things because he's got plenty of stuff about lifting and things out there. So I, I particularly like the ones about the barbell deadlift versus the trap bar deadlift, or I like the five quick tips for increasing the depth in your squat, things like that, that, that are very intriguing to me. And Jake does such a good job, man. Like you do such a good job of just like uh, eradicating fluff and kind of navigating away from all of this, um, glitz that you see and uh you know they're, like they're good it's still funny sometimes you splice in some funny things into your videos that spices it up but like it is it's just good no nonsense quality information that you provide and so i want to get into that again as we start talking about what are some of the legit kind of fitness gear reviews in order to do that what are some of the illegitimate things that are out there what are some of the things that you see how do you know that somebody's just peddling for dollars versus doing a quality review about products yeah and so if i if i get passionate in this podcast around this topic just uh -oh. you know just coach me down because <laughs> i think a, a, a big a big driver behind that fit friend is kind of being annoyed with all reviews industries but like being obviously invested in fitness, nothing makes me more annoyed when I see reviews that are put together by writers that have clearly never actually tested the product or have never like used it to its full extent. So if you're looking at a review, for example, if you search any review online and you're looking at it and there's no actual shots of the writer using it or testing it or actually putting it through the work in the gym that you're going to be wanting to use that shoe for whatever it is for that's a red flag to me because that means like number one if you're pulling product shots from the company like okay did you actually use it or are you just kind of synthesizing whatever you read on page from their reviews so that's kind of a red flag to me because i like to see like okay cool if i want to buy this thing like i want to see this person physically use it while they talk about it and explain it because i think that adds a nice level of depth to it and just a nice level of legitimacy um another big red flag to look for is basically how a review is laid out is it laid out to just kind of like funnel you into buying it or is it laid out to give you mm. an objective point of view like hey here's where this thing is going to excel but here's where it's going to fall short 
if you are this type of person, yeah, this could work. Or if this is you, you should definitely not buy that. So I think any form of review that takes like just a straight up, like you need to buy this, that's kind of a red flag to me as well, because there needs to be a level of objectivity in there. Nothing works for every single person. And I think if you have a background in training and coaching, you know that like, I'm not going to stick everybody on a barbell back squat right away, depending on their goals and context, you know? So similarly, we have to look at the objectivity of every review. And so basically my two big things are number one, does that review come off as a marketing ad or does it actually come off as a real life tested product review from somebody who's like me, who's invested in the game of training and everything else, but they don't want to waste their money. They don't want to waste their time. They don't want to have to go through the whole review process. And then number two, just looking for factors that would further signal legitimacy of the review. This could be videos of people using it. This could be shots of them using it. Like, don't tell me if, a sh don't tell me a shoe isn't stable if you don't have any shots or like anecdotes of you actually using it you know like why yeah. should i believe that so those are two things that kind of irk me with the industry because you'll see it a lot with big media companies who get basically sent products to put up on the site and they'll do like this quick little write-up and then slap an affiliate link in there and that kind of annoys me because i think of people like my mom who's like a brand new person beginner she doesn't know what she's doing but she wants to like work out and get better stuff for that she goes to these companies that have this nice presented authority and she gets conned into buying something that they've never used that might not work for her. And that's kind of like where I'm like, man, it's, it's messed up. And the, my, the, the, the underlying thing here is what I like to say is like in the world of product reviews, I almost feel like the, the, the pendulum of the capitalism has swung so far into just making money versus actually like learning how to make money and also like be a, freaking human and not get folks yeah. to spend money on things they don't need. Um, and I think we need to kind of bring that pendulum back in the middle and remember like, Hey, the point of a review is to help somebody not waste their time, not waste their money, like help them figure out what's going to be best for them. Not just get people to buy more stuff. Because another thing with that fit friend is it's like <laughs> this constant battle of like not wanting to be so into consumerism where it's like, buy, buy, buy. But it's also like, Let's get stuff that's high quality that works for you. So you don't have to do that. So um, I could go on all day about this, but those are my two big things to look for in reviews that may not be as legitimate as they are presenting themselves. Right. Okay. So this is one of the things that I like when I go through and I see some of your videos is, so if you watch Jake's videos, uh, he's going to be deadlifting minimum of 405, minimum of 405. Like there's going to be a deadlift or a squat with ridiculous amounts of weight on it so that he can say, look, this is me. I'm wearing these shoes. This is me lifting in these shoes. And then give you some detail about whether or not your heavy lifts are, if these shoes are suitable for those lifts. But then he might say, hey, when I was at 315, they felt fine. Right. So is this a moderate weight? Um, I mean, that's all heavy to me. But is that a moderate weight for for certain people? If it's a high intensity interval training shoe, then it's got you doing work you know, like box hops and and ice skaters. So you're you're out there applying the shoe the way that it's being marketed and making a decision on whether or not that shoe is a quality shoe based off of how they're pitching it. So 
I guess it goes back to what you were saying. Are you actually doing the work in the shoes to see if these are doing what they're supposed to do? And the truth of the matter is that you are. Here's the other thing I like what you do, Jake. Um, you give pros and cons. And, and I think that's, that definitely makes it feel like you're not getting paid by a company because otherwise it would just be the pros list as opposed to throwing out the cons. And some of them, which, which I really like were, you know, you'll go into some stuff that I don't have a clue what you're talking about, like some like stitching or something, uh, you know, I, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. But then you're like, hey, these are really good shoes. I just don't think they're worth 165 bucks. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's good for me too. Like, I don't know what you're saying otherwise, but to have you in a position that says, look, I have a, I have a lot of content about this gear and they're relatively good shoes, but they're not $165 good shoes. Uh, and that stuff for me is important when I go out and I'm looking for something. I'm like, I wonder what Jake has to say about this. Yeah. I really appreciate that. And honestly, like something that I've been doing, pretty much for the last like six to eight months now is every review I put up now I buy, I like literally will buy the product. And it's funny because like I love PR companies reach out and like, Hey, can we send you stuff? And I'm like, honestly, no. Cause I would rather buy really? it because I think, I think having money invested in that product, it just helps add way more like objectivity to it because yeah. I hate wasting my time and I hate wasting my money. And so yeah, yeah. like, even if like, it's like I'm friends with like PR comp like PR people at Reebok and Nike and stuff. And like, we're cordial and stuff. And like, I'll give them feedback on products, but I've been trying to make a bigger and greater effort at buying every single product. And even though like I'm a small yeah. company and it's all out of my own pocket, um, it just, I think it just adds a level of legitimacy, honestly. And like, I think, if I'm going to be reviewing stuff where people are going to be spending their own money, it's like the least I could do is spend my own money too, to help kind of like give them a better outlook of that product. And that's why yeah, like, oh, I don't necessarily huge. make money in like the traditional sense of how most media companies do, where it's like, they do a lot of spawn con, they do like deals under the table with some of these companies and get bigger kickbacks than they present on screen. So um, I'm trying to, walk this different line for what a review site should be, to be honest. And a lot of this actually comes from Brian Lamb, who is the founder of the wire cutter. I think they are a review site that does it right. And I just listened to how I, the, how I built this episode with him. And if you're super interested in this world, it was a great episode. And I think the way they presented and approached their review content is similar, how I want that fit friend to approach content and the review process. So for example, like, they have a very standardized means of testing gear. And so, like you said before, for every shoe, essentially, I have a standardized testing protocol that I put them through. Now, as the shoe is a little bit more niche, I will bias some of the training for that. So basically, every shoe gets like a certain realm of tests. And then if it's a shoe designed for CrossFit or HIT or let's say like barbell lifts, I'll then create a slight bias in the training to get a better look into what that shoe is actually like for that specific niche. And so that's one way that I'm trying to be better about leveling up the content on that fit friend. And that's something I would do want to make a video about eventually, which is like how I actually test shoes and like sharing like the standardized test, because I think it just is cool too to share to the community. Like, Hey, if you're watching my content, like this is literally what I'm doing and this is how I'm drawing all these comparisons. It's not just like, oh, like this one and versus this one. It's 
no, actually, like I've squatted 405 in this and 405 in this, and this felt better because of this versus like this that fell short right. because of whatever it might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jake Boley, that fit friend with a YouTube channel on gear reviews, but not just gear reviews, not limited to that. It has a lot of other uh, information and content on it, which I appreciate. And uh, and we're talking right now really about the legitimacy about some of the reviewers that are out there. These are influencers, people that are doing reviews. A lot of times these reviewers are um, given product as they start to build their business, given product and paid to have a, a product provided a quality review. And, you know, if you're an affiliate on any of these, then you're not going to upsell that affiliate link if you're not giving a glowing review. So I think what what's nice about what Jake does is give the most honest review without the necessary kickbacks that you might see uh, with with some of the other companies. Now, the fact, Jake, that you buy the shoes in order to make sure that there is a degree of objectivity there, I'm so impressed because that means you have a lot of shoes. How many well, shoes do you have? <laughs> like if I if I pan the camera, it's like two full racks here, two full racks here, and then like full racks across the shoe. I would say probably like 100 pairs of shoes right now. And so with older models, I will give them away. Like I'd never like people are like, yeah. you should sell them. And it's like, I why? I'm not gonna sell the shoes. So when models basically get phased out in which content wouldn't be relevant on them, so like models from two years ago, I'll usually give them away or like put out feelers in the community and be like, hey, is anybody a size 10? I'll send you these shoes. I'm actually going to the post office later today to send an old pair of shoes to somebody who I met on nice. YouTube who was like, I'm a 10. Could I like, like, do you have any shoes you could sell? I'm like, dude, I'll send you some shoes. I'm not going to sell them. That's awesome. And also just to add to that last point, um, with affiliate kickbacks, like with review sites, there's nothing wrong with affiliate kickbacks. I just no. think it's important that we're as honest as we can be with the reviews themselves you know because like with review content too like that is a driver to how you stay alive is with affiliate sales but i think the way you approach that and handle that and the honesty behind that i think is really important so just wanted to add that because i don't want anybody to think like oh my gosh like but you have affiliates that fit friend like how so right. it's like it's not necessarily a bad thing per se but i think there needs to be more of a look behind the curtains as to what that entails. And also just being a human and not trying to swindle people into clicking just because you might make 10% kickback on a hundred dollars shoe. Like, come on. Right. That's not how right. I want to, that's not, if that's, if that's the only thing that's going to keep my business alive, I don't think I'm doing it right. Nor can yeah. I get behind that long-term. Good for you, brother. Happy to hear it. Uh, you're talking about uh, shoes going out to other people and stuff like that. So one of my questions was, at what point do do you and at what point should we, especially if we're concerned financially, like, is it time for me to buy a new pair of shoes? And we know that shoes can be expensive. You can put a lot of money into to buying shoes. When's the right time to replace shoes? Yeah, so it really depends on how you're using the shoes because mm. different shoes will have slightly different wear times. So like, for example, like a running shoe, like you'll want to replace that after a certain amount of miles based off of what that product has basically said to be good for. But in the context of like a cross training shoe for lifting, 
there are two things that I'll generally want to look at. Number one is the midsole and outsole construction. Now, the midsole is the material that separates the foot from the floor. That's usually like that foamy material or like that nice dense material that you have in your shoes. If yeah. at any point that is starting to pull away from the sole of the shoe, so it's starting to like come off of the upper or if it's like starting to like kind of degrade to where when you're training, you can feel it like just a little bit off on maybe one side of the shoe. And this could be from like wearing it out on daily wear. For example, if you wore it out in the rain and like water got into that midsole and it started to like cause it to break down, that would be something to look at. And then on top of that, the outsole. So the midsole and outsole. So the outsole is that layer of material that is on the bottom of the shoe. So that's generally like your rubber outsole that gives you the nice traction in the gym. If you're starting to lose tread on that, that could be a time to warrant replacing that shoe. So for example, if I have an old shoe that I'm using for CrossFit and my tread is starting to fade in the forefoot, which is pretty common or around the heel. And so let's say I'm catching cleans and I start to notice I'm slipping a little bit more. I would probably want to replace that. Not in the sense that like it's going to necessarily be instantly bad and you're going to die, but like right. why chance having your performance hindered at all for something yeah. like that, which could be, easily identified and fixed. And then the second thing I look for is, are they comfortable? Is the shoe physically comfortable for your wear sessions? And sometimes you can have the upper breakdown where like the lacing system start to go and you'll start to notice like this shoe starting to feel a little bit too loose and it's not comfortable to wear for this training context. That would then be a time to replace your shoes. So they don't need to be replaced as I think as many people think, but there are a couple of like construction indicators that can serve as like objective signs as to when you should replace that. And that's based off of solely performance and comfort, because those are the two biggest things that most folks are uh, basically interested in when they are training in the gym. Ladies and gentlemen, again, we've got Jake Boley here, who is that fit friend, and you can find him on YouTube. You can find him on Instagram, and uh, where in YouTube, where his reviews are actually posted and where they reside. Um, Jake, is there anything else that, that this audience of fitness professionals needs to know about identifying some legitimate fitness gear reviews, not just shoes, but, but other things? What are some things that we should keep in mind when we're looking at these reviews, trying to find that next pair of shorts, that next shirt or that, that next pair of shoes? Yeah, I think something important to look at besides like actual testing and then actual objectivity in reviews is... I like to look for comparisons and basically like if the reviewer is able to draw enough context between certain products, I think that can be really important. So if I'm watching a review on, let's say like a weightlifting shoe and mm -hmm. I want to know like, how does this compare to this? But there's like no level of understanding or knowing, I think it could be a little bit tough then to like, I think relate and be like, okay, well like, then how do I know if this is going to be good for here? If you don't even know if this is going to be good for whatever this training context is. Um, so that's something that I think can be really important. And that just comes from somebody who's done like this for a while. And so while it's not always necessarily a needed, like a need in reviews, which is like, you don't have to like have like a hundred pairs of shoes reviewed tested to be legitimate. But I think it does add a nice level of depth there to be able to help mm -hmm. people draw conclusions or draw comparisons on products that they might be interested in otherwise, or have already tried. So it's like, if I get a comment, like, Hey, how does this shoe fit compared to this? It's nice to be able to like, actually go and like look at it and like give them a nice definitive answer based off of how they actually fit yeah. and how I know them to fit. Um, on top of that, honestly, I think just reviewers that always interact with their audience because 
that's another thing that is always really interesting, especially in the context of YouTube, because on the site, I don't get that many comments, but I will get some here and there, but I always try to my best to reply as fast as I can. But on YouTube, like if you ask a question about a product, like I would hope that the reviewer is going to answer and like give you a nice legitimate yeah. feedback, like some legitimate feedback, because it's like, what are you doing if you're reviewing something to help somebody decide if they should buy it and they ask you a question about it and you have it in hand and they don't and they're legitimately just wondering like, hey, I watched your piece of content. I gave you time from my life to watch your business, watch your content. I have a question here. I think it should always go and like be answered. Like that's something that bothers me where when there is a product involved and there's some form of monetary aspect to that piece of content and somebody is asking you before they physically invest their money, like the least you can do is just give them an answer. It takes literally maybe tops 20 to 30 seconds of your day. And they've just given you 10 minutes of their life watching your review, you know? So yeah. it's like one of those little trade-offs that I think makes a huge difference that people constantly overlook. And that just adds a nice level of legitimacy too, because if you're willing to have a conversation about that product and help them explore deeper context to their ask, it really does, I think, just add a nice level of like, hey, like I'm a human, you're a human. Let me help you figure this out. Let me give you some time a day and like really interact with you and get to know what you're actually after here. Gotcha. Well, I will say that I did go through and I read some of your comments that people had left and they love you. <laughs> they love you. There's one person that was like, you should be way bigger than you are. And I was like... He's got a lot of views on this, so he's still pretty big. I, I enjoy it. I think it's it's been fun uh, reconnecting with you and uh, having you on the podcast. So thank you so much for being here. Can you let the audience know where they can find you, where they can find that fit friend? For sure. Yeah. On Instagram, my handle is Jake underscore bully, B-O-L-Y. I also have a That Fit Friend Instagram page. I don't share as much as I should there because quite honestly, it gets very overwhelming trying to share on all the different verticals. And yeah. since YouTube is my main baby, it gets very overwhelming to also be on social all the time. Um, on YouTube, Jake, That Fit Friend, you could type in Jake Bully, you could type in That Fit Friend, I should pop up. If you type in most training shoes, you'll likely see my annoying face That's and head true. talking. So <laughs> you can find me that way. And then also the website is That Fit Friend. And if you do subscribe to the channel, it helps a ton. I'm not gonna ask you to watch every video or like every video because ain't nobody got time for that but if you do drop a subscribe it really does help the channel grow and hopefully i could produce some form of content that does interest your niche of interest or training excellent jake bully thank you so much for being here i appreciate you and uh ladies and gentlemen i want to say thank you to you for being here listening keep doing what you're doing keep inspiring people to fitness i know that we are out there as fitness professionals doing what we can to help change lives and every little nugget of information helps including the work that jake does that can help whether it's us or that we can refer to our clients that we can just provide them a little more information from legitimate sources so with that being said if y'all have questions for me of course reach out to me you can email me at rick.richie at nasm.org or you can hit me up on instagram dm me at dr dot rick ritchie thanks for listening this has been the nasm cpt podcast